Father, we love you and we come before you, God, as your servants, Lord, and we want to live for you. We don't want to just be nominal Christians who claim to know you, but Lord, we want to live for you and serve you with every part of our life. And so, God, right now we submit our lives to you. I pray that every person here would have an attitude and a heart of submission to your will, to your ways. God, that you would mold us and shape us in the way that you've designed us to live. So, Lord, we submit to you now because you are wonderful, holy, and you're the Lord of our lives. And we say these things in Jesus' name. Everybody said, Amen. All right, well, you can grab your Bibles and open up to Matthew chapter 25, and we'll be going there in just a moment. But uh, the message today is part of our contending series, and if you're new here today, we want to welcome you. We're glad that you're visiting today. And uh, really, this is uh, the fifth or sixth message in the contending series that we've been uh, talking about. And today I have the privilege and really responsibility to speak to you about contending for our finances, okay, our finances. And you'll see on the screen that there's an asterisk by the word are. O-U-R. And I'll get to that. I'll explain that a little bit later. But this is part of our Contending Together series. Pastor Steve uh, sought God during the summer and said, Lord, what's the vision? Or what are we going to really spend time on in the fall? And this is our application of that. We're contending over certain values that as a church we want to make sure that we grab a hold of. And so uh, if you haven't been here, let me just bring you up to date. Uh, we started with Contending for the Next Generation. That was about how this church is not going to uh, let go or dismiss the next generation, but we are going to reach out to that generation. Uh, Then we talked about contending with endurance. My wife Jennifer spoke on that. Enduring, we're not going to give up. And then Pastor talked about contending uh, for the nations and making Jesus, you know, Jesus, the government will be upon His shoulders and making sure we understand what it means to contend for the nations. And then last week, Elizabeth talked about uh, contending for families and marriages. So uh, what's this concept? We use this word contending. What is this contending word that we're talking about? Well, I will just steal uh, Pastor Elizabeth's notes from last week. Uh, I like to do that because she's the researcher. Uh, some of you, uh, you stole your girlfriend's homework, or in this case, I'm stealing my mother-in-law's homework, okay? So she did the research, so this is up on the screen, but uh, this was the definition she gave us of the concept of contending. To contend is to struggle with the enemy for control, or uh, to put in context, to contend for first prize or to contend against falsehood. So when we're talking about contending for these things, it's not contending does not equal belief. Contending there's a there's a fight mentality for. We're going to fight for the next generation. We're going to fight for endurance. We're going to fight for the nations. We're going to fight for our families and our marriages and today ladies and gentlemen, we are going to fight for our finances. And we must decide that passivity, this is from Elizabeth last week, we must decide that passivity is our enemy. Acceptance of que sera, sera, whatever will be, will be. Whatever will be, will be is a lie from the pit of hell. Even if they sing that in the old classic movies, you may not think that sounds like the devil singing it, but it is. Because when we say, oh, you know, whatever will be, oh, you know, this generation, what can you do about it? Oh, you know, my family, my husband's going to be that way. Or my No, we're going to contend. Amen, somebody. Oh, you got to help me today. A quiet church is a dead church. Come on. Amen, somebody. 
Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. We are going to contend. We're going to fight for it. So today, we're talking about fighting or contending or struggling with the enemy for control of our finances. Now, here's the deal. A lot of emotions can get stirred up when we talk about finances. You know, uh, why should we contend for finances? You can get some emotion. Some people can say, uh, if, if I were to ask you, Hey, why should we contend for finances? Some of you might say, um, well, let's fight for our finances so we can have more money. Okay, well, you know, all right. Some might say, well, we need to fight for our finances so we can be debt free. And, you know, all the Dave Ramsey listeners would be like, yeah, I'm debt free. You know, and some people might say, uh, we need to contend for our finances so we can buy more things. You know, I need some more stuff and I need to get my finances in order because I really want that boat. You know, uh, and, and some people might say, well, we need to contend for our finances so that we can give more. We can we can fight for it and we can give more. Well, let me just ask you this. How about this? What if, when we're talking about contending for finances, what if uh, we just all got rich? I mean, I just want you to think about that. Can we just, like, can we just get, go to Mr. Rogers' neighborhood town of make-believe for just a second, and let's all just pretend that we're rich? Wouldn't that just fix everything? I mean, I, I want you to think about your life, okay? And I want you to think of your life now loaded, okay? Your life, but now your life loaded. Wouldn't that just... I mean, we're talking about contending for finances here. Uh, maybe we should just uh, uh, contend for finances because money is the solution to so many things. Hmm. Uh, how many of you, let, let's, let's, let's just go this way. How many of you have ever turned the popular quote from the movie, show me the money? How many of you have turned that movie quote into a prayer before? You know, you, you, you like, you weren't quoting, uh, a movie. You were praying to God. And you're like, on your knees, show me the money. And you think God's like, I can't hear you. Show me the money. You know, and I don't know about you, but at times I've been like, show me the money, right? And, 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 and when we're talking about contending for finances, you know, sometimes we can think that, well, if we just, you know, had more money, it would solve a lot of problems. Come on, let's be honest. I want to see hands here. I want, come on, we don't need this plasticky, fake, Christianese church here. Come on, let's be honest. How many of you have thought about what your life would be like if you won the lottery? Come on, yes. Oh, can I get a witness? Amen. All right, I see the hands moving. I see smile. I just see, I see the, 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 the look on your faces. It's just, oh, yes, yes, I, I've thought of that. I, I would do this and I would do that. You know, well, um, now here's the deal. Here's the deal. Maybe we should contend for our finances because it would make life easier. Well, not so fast. Did you know, I did a little quick search about lottery winners. Have you guys heard this stuff before? Listen to this. The reality is that 70% of all lottery winners will squander away their winnings in a few years. The Connecticut Financial Advisor said in a news release, listen to this, in the process, they will see family and friendships destroyed and the financial security they hoped for disappear. Hmm. Listen to what it goes on. We know from studies and our own internal research that when new wealth is created in a family, there is a 90% probability that all the wealth will be gone by the third generation. This person, LePage, said in a news release, and that's among families who have worked hard for years to achieve success. 
When people receive sudden wealth, like in a lottery jackpot, the numbers are much worse. Statistics show lottery winners often go bankrupt, get divorced, and have family feuds. If we're going to contend for our finances, let me tell you straight off the bat that when we're talking about contending for finances, we are not talking about, Lord, show me the money. We're not talking about some whack job prosperity gospel where everyone, you know, you're saved and you're a king's kid, so every king's kid should be driving around a Lexus. Every king's kid, you know, we're children of God. God's the king. We're the children of the king. We're king's kid. So everybody here should be living up in the hills and everyone here should be having a million dollar home. That is not the gospel of the Bible. It's a gospel that some itching ears want to hear and we're not going to give that to you today. Somebody say amen. So we're not talking about this get-rich thing. In fact, uh, Wendell Smith, uh, the late senior pastor of uh, City Church, Judah, Judah Smith is now his, uh, his son is now the senior pastor, and Pastor Wendell is still there, still pastoring. But this is what he said. Wendell Smith said, More money doesn't change you. More money only makes more of what you already are. More money doesn't, oh, if I got, if I got money, I, I would, I would, I would tithe, I would give more, I would be able, no, no, no. More money won't change you, it will just make you more of what you already are. Ooh. I don't know about you, but when we start talking about contending for finances, we need to be on the right path. We need to make sure that we're contending with the right approach, and that's the biblical approach. So here's the big idea today, okay? Here's, I mean, we could write, I mean, books, books and books and books. We could do a 10-week series on finances. So I've got one shot for you today. So I've got one big idea for us to grasp today. Here's the big idea. We must contend or struggle with the enemy for control for our finances because, here we go, our finances are not our finances. Our finances are God's finances. The big idea today is we must contend because it's not our money. We can't be selfish with it because it's not our money to be selfish with. We can't just, well, you know, I might get my tithe, but I'm going to do whatever else I want with the 90%. Listen, here's the big idea. God's finances are not 10% of your income. God's finances are 100% of your income. It's all His, and so we have to be good stewards of all 100% of it, not just 10%. For some of you, 10%, that's just a mind-boggling idea, concept, the tithe. And I want to talk to you today. I don't, I'm not here to try and get you to start tithing. I'm not here to try and get you to go from 2% to 3%. I'm here to get you to look at your finances as God's finances and to distribute that money as God would because you're only the caretaker of His finances. There's no magic tricks here. Where there is obedience, faithfulness, and wide stewardship towards what God has already given us, there is always breakthrough, blessing, and bountiful harvest. This, this, this is not like, oh, welcome to service. I'm going to give you guys. Are you ready for this? You're going to walk out of here and invest in this stock and do this and do that. And we're going to be a, a rich gra- gathering and, and the city's going to know that this is where the wealthy people hang out. Nope. It's very simple. 
It is so absolutely simple. This is God, period. Are you ready for this? If you obey God's word, you will reap bountiful harvest. Now, I'm not talking about finances, just finances here. It's just God's principle. You will reap what you sow. And when you sow obedience, you will reap godly blessing. Okay, uh, now here, here's the deal. I, let's just get out of the finances to make a point here. Because I want you to understand today, this is a principle for your life, not just a principle for your finances. When you obey God, you will be blessed. Are you ready for this? So let's get away from finances so that we don't think of blessing and the word prosperity as financial words. The word blessing and the word prosperity is not a financial word. It's a God word. It's a reaping word that transcends all areas of our life. So, if God gives you $10, let's just start with baby steps, shall we? If God gives you $10, if you do what God wants you to do with those $10, you will be blessed in whatever you do with those $10 because God's given you $10. Now, let's get away from finances. God's given you a body. Yes or no? If you take care of your body and you are obedient with what God instructs in being healthy and sober and vigilant and and active, if you take care of what God's given you, will you be blessed in your body? You will have energy. You will have, you will live longer. You will be more, uh, confident. You'll have a better attitude. Why? Because, not because of a magic trick that you guys did some kind of pill that you took that made your body, uh, transform into the perfect body. No. When you live obediently to scripture, God says take care of your body. You take care of your body. Blessing, right? When you don't take care of your body, guess what happens? Shutdown, decay. Depression, sadness, grasping at straws and quick fix ideas. The point that I'm trying to make is simply this. When God gives you something, if you'll just be obedient with what he's given you, you'll be blessed. So if God gives you a body, be obedient with your body. Don't don't try and uh, cut corners. When God gives you an income of $20,000 a year, be obedient with that $20,000 a year and you will be blessed. You don't need $200,000 a year. You don't need $2 million a year. You simply need to be obedient with what He's given you and you will be blessed. That's what we must contend for. We will contend for obedience. We will fight for doing what's right. We will make adjustments. We will repent. We will turn from our selfish ways and we will say, God, my finances are your finances and I will choose to fight for and not let the enemy have control over my finances because when I'm obedient with what you've given me, the devil can't even touch this. That's what we're going to contend for. We're not content, we're gonna contend that our giving would go up 3% this year. Nope, 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 nope. We're not, we're not trying to push something on you. We're trying to push obedience to the scriptures. So let's go ahead and look at this. We're gonna look at this parable in Matthew chapter 25. And I just want, if you write notes in your Bible, you need to mark, uh, Matthew chapter 25, uh, beginning in verse 14. You need to mark this scripture and you need to remind yourself this is not a parable about finances. This is a parable about the kingdom of God. Look at Matthew chapter 25 verse 1. 
What's the first phrase there? It says, the kingdom of God is like, correct? Are you looking in your Bible? Do you see what I'm seeing? Verse 1, he's giving examples. Jesus Christ is giving examples of what the kingdom of God is like. He He did not say, your finances are like, and then tell a story. He said, the kingdom of God. So then when we get to verse 14, he says, it is also like, do you see that in your Bible? In verse 14, it is also like, so he's talking about the kingdom of God. It is not a story about finances. It is a story about the kingdom of God. In other words, this principle is a life principle. When you take care of your body the right way, you will be blessed. When you take care of your finances the right way, you will be blessed. When you take care of your family the right way, you will be blessed. When you take care of the next generation the right way, you will be blessed. But we will apply it to finances because the kingdom of God includes everything about us, including our income. Verse 14, the kingdom of heaven will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted to them his property. To one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, to each according to his ability. Then he went away. He who had received five talents went at once and traded with them and he made five talents more. Verse 17. So also he who had the two talents made two talents more. But he who had received the one talent went and dug in the ground and hid his master's money. Now after a long time, the master of those servants came and settled accounts with them. Verse 20. And he who had received the five talents came forward, bringing five talents more, saying, Master, you delivered me to me five talents. Here I have made five talents more. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. Watch this. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. Verse 22. And he also, and, and he also who had the two talents came forward saying, Master, you delivered me two talents. Here I have made two talents more. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. He also who had received the one talent came forward saying, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you scattered no seed. So I was afraid, and I went and hid your talent in the ground. Here, you have what is yours. Verse 26. But his master answered him, You wicked and slothful servant. You knew that I reap where I have not sown, and gather where I scattered no seed. Then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers, and at my coming I should have received what was mine own with interest. Verse 28. So take the talent from him and give it to him who has the ten talents. Verse 29. For, for to everyone who has will more be given, 
and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. Friends, I want to point out to you one simple point out of this scripture. I want to point out to you the response that God had toward the man who had five talents and the man who had two talents. One had five, doubled it, and came to ten, and he presented it to the master. Are you following me with this parable? The other had two, and he came back and gave to the master four. How many of you, I know uh, I'm thankful that to get your uh, pastoral degree at the university I went to, you only had to take basic concepts of modern math. You don't have to be a math wizard. But how many of you would agree with me that ten is larger than four? Come on. Yes, we are on the same page. I can tell rocket scientists are in this room. That is awesome. Ten is larger than four. We're in agreement. Where there's agreement, God commands a blessing. Lord, bless this place today. Ten is bigger than four. Yet, watch this. Yet the response of the Master is verbatim, word for word, the same to both people. Even though one has more, even though one has all this money and the other has not even half what the other person says. This is what he says to both people word for word. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. Friends, whatever money you have is enough. Whatever money you find in your bank account that you're making in wages, that you find in your full-time job, your part-time job, your second job, or your third job, it is enough to receive a blessing from the Lord. The amount of money that you make does not determine the blessing. What you do out of obedience determines the blessing and favor of God on your life. If you are going to contend for our finances, asterisk over our, because our our finances are not our finances, they're all His finances. If you're going to contend, you've got to get out of this wishing game and say, God, with what you've given me, I will be faithful. Can I get an amen? That means the person that's working at McDonald's and they're hoping that they can someday make 9 or $10 an hour, it's time to repent and say, God, you've given me enough to be blessed. I'm going to be faithful with what you've given me and I will see the blessing of God. Because where we are obedient, God always blesses. That's how He works. But in America today, we have this, I wish the grass is always greener on the other side. Have you ever looked at somebody else's finances and said, well, if I made what they were making, I would give differently. I would distribute my money differently. If I just got a raise, I would do this differently. Friends, you will never do it then if you will not do it now. God expects you to be faithful with what you have right now. And if we're going to be faithful... We must be faithful. Now this is, okay, I'm just going to be honest with you. Most of the time in preaching, the pastor needs to live it, experience it, be filled with, and then pour out of the overflow into the congregation. I've got to be honest with you. I'm not so much overflowing this message. Because it's not enough for us to be faithful to God with the 10% He's given us, 
We must be faithful with the 100% that He's given us. And so the question that you have to answer today, the question that I have to answer today and that I've had to answer all week long is simply this. Does my budget reflect God's budget? Am I spending my 100%, which is a budget, you allocate for your housing and your, your going out to eat and if you're... Pastor Brian, your Starbucks category, you know, you allocate your finances and you fill up all 100% of your money goes somewhere. Hopefully some of it goes to savings, but 100% of it's going somewhere. Is your budget, is it allocated the exact same way that God would if he sat down at your kitchen table and wrote out the budget? Can I let you in on something? He does want to sit down at your kitchen table because that money is his money. He's given it to us to take care of. And he says, I'm going away. Take care of what I've given you. I'm coming back. And so when he has given us something, we have the responsibility to steward it. You know, this weekend, part of my honeydew list that Jennifer gave me, Okay, okay, okay. So she didn't give me this big honeydew list. But one of the one of the things that we did is I put up a trim in our family room. Uh, you know, trim around the floor, and and you need a nail gun to do that. And uh, now Pastor Steve, you know, hands off power tools not allowed. If you ever ask for them, just run the opposite direction. Flee temptation. Don't ever give in to you know if he asks for a power tool. I'm like halfway there. I'm like be nervous, but I. Hopefully I won't, you know, saw off any fingers or anything like that. So I had to ask for Matt Newton's uh, um, uh, air compressor gun. I don't even know what you call those things. Brad nailer, finish nailer, you know, those things. They're really fun. And so, uh, so when uh, Matt brought over his gun, he had it nicely wrapped and, and he had the air compressor hose and the nail and he bought me a whole box or he happened to have a whole box of nails and so he left it there. It's not my gun. But he said, Brian, I want you to use my gun. He gave it to me to use for the purposes that I had. And so as Matt's gun, I did not treat it like my gun because I don't have one of those in the first place, but I took care of it. I wasn't just throwing it around, whatever, who cares, you know. Let's see if I can swing it from the hose and like let it land and shine, you know, like a, you know, princess warrior, but I'm a king, so I'd be like, you know. Anyways, but, you know, like, you know, I, I, took, I took care of it. I'm like, okay. In fact, it came time for me to replace the nails, and you'd think that that was really elementary. Because people, when you see the guys do it, you know, like I'm ta- when I'm talking about guys, I mean like, yeah, you know, they got tool belts and everything. Arr, arr, arr. You know, they're like this. They're like, two, six, two, two. and then they're out, and it's just like, right? I mean, it's just like, I mean, it's like the Matrix, you know, where the clips come out and they come back in, you know. You know, and so I'm like, I'm looking at it upside down. I'm like, I, I, I'm like, do I need a screwdriver to do this? I don't, I'm no, I don't really know. And so I'm looking all around. I'm, I'm not kidding you. Like 20 minutes later, I'm just trying to put more nails in this thing. I just, and finally I get online. Thank you, Jesus, for the internet because I typed in the model number Hitachi M6. 1085 Niner or whatever, you know. And so I'm typing that in and I have to download the user manual and I find, and it's 85 pages 
And I'm like, okay, where is the nail reload thing? And so I finally find it, and it shows a picture. And the gun, where the, you know, the cartridge of nails goes up like this, just at the bottom, you just turn the gun upside down, just slide them in, and you're done. And I'm like, oh, my goodness, I can't believe that it took me that. I mean, I'm not kidding you. It's like, chunk, done, done. I couldn't figure that on my own. I, I, but why? Why? I wanted to take care of a gun that was not mine. I, it was not mine to just mess around with. Your finances are not yours to just, oh, I don't care. Hey, you know, we've, uh, we're just going to spend this money. I, I, I need some me time. We need some us time for our family. We're just, we're going to ditch the tie this week. We're not going to give extra in the office. We're going to, hey, it's because God knows where we're at. It's not yours. So the conviction that I have, that I had to look at in my own life, is not my giving record, friends. As Christians, 100% of our finances are God's finances. And so sometimes we can be like, oh yes, I've been tithing since I was eight years old, and la la la. And we, it's, it's almost, can, would you agree with me that that can be pharisaical? Like a Pharisee, like a religious, pious jerk. It says, I don't need to worry. You're floundering, you're 90%. And not doing what God would do with that 90%. Because you're just like, well, we give. We give above tithe. And God's saying, since when? Looking at that parable again in Matthew 25. Did those people do anything to get that money? Think about that. He just gave it to them. The master said, I'm leaving. Five, two, one. Five, two, one. Five, two, one. Okay, you guys all got the same amount. Here's the deal. He says, I'm giving it to you. They didn't do something. They didn't go, okay, we're going to recite a bunch of prayers and we're going to do this and we're going to do that. And then we deserve our finances. No, he just gave. You say, well, I deserve my six-figure income because I have a master's degree and I have my PhD. No, uh, you actually don't deserve anything because God gave you the brains to get a PhD. God gave you the breath to inhale oxygen, exhale some of that carbon dioxide and gave you the ability to walk on this planet and make decisions. There is nothing that God has not given you. Deuteronomy says He gave you the power to gain wealth. You don't deserve any of it. He gave it to you. And so for some, He gave one. Some, He gave two. Some, He gave... It doesn't matter. You know what the Bible says? The Bible says you better make sure that you're not treating people that are more wealthy differently than you... Uh, treat people who are more poor among you because going on in the church was like, oh, come sit here, you PhD six-figure people that we hope tithe. Comes, and they say, if you do that, you're, you're missing it. God doesn't need six-figure incomes. God does not need you to, to do this, do that. God simply needs you to be obedient with what He's given you. And if pastors are listening to this on the Internet, pastors, let me say to you right now, your church doesn't need more money. You just need to make sure that the church that you're pastoring is taking care of the finances that God has already given you. And when that happens, blessing comes. When that happens, God shows up and says, Wow, I gave you two. You got four. Let's give you some more. I gave you five. You got ten. And now, and this is what God does. Watch this. God says, hey, I'm going to take 
from the person that buried his, that squandered it, that didn't take care of my money, and I'm going to give it to the guy who had five. So here's Mr. Five Guy. Five Guy reproduces it, gets ten, and all of a sudden, the master says, keep it, and by the way, I'm going to give you a bonus, takes the one, and gives it to the one with ten. Now the guy has eleven. He started with zero, y'all. Now he has eleven. When you are faithful, say, why does somebody else get that? promotion i can't maybe i'm not saying this as a blanket statement but the conviction of god better be on you maybe that promotion went to somebody else because god took that promotion and gave it to somebody that's being responsible now i'm not blanket stating but we need to all the bible says work out your salvation with what fear and trembling the bible says that we need to consider our ways. We need to look at if we are, what are we contending for? Some of us may say amen to we're contending for our finances, but really what we're doing is we're contending for more money. We say, oh, I'm contending, Lord, because I need more. And God say, no, just be faithful with what you have. What would happen, simple, and I'm going to finish here. What would happen if you went home, whether you are single or married, even if you're a teenager, what if you went home and sat down as a family with your wife or your husband, or if single, you sat down and you said, listen, it is time for us to spend our money the way God would spend it. All 100%. Now, I want to be very careful because you can go really extreme on either side here. Some people say, you know, God doesn't, God would never buy a McDonald's hamburger. He would only, he would only eat, you know, the, the morsels from the ground and grass enough to feed himself because of all the starving children in, in the world. And, and, and I'm not going to spend time on this. Again, remember, you could do a 10-week series on this. But let me just give you a little, a little nugget, okay? A little nugget. Here it is. God gave you taste buds. That's it. If God did not want you to enjoy the things that He put on this planet, He wouldn't give you taste buds. Ah, we shouldn't eat chocolate. Jesus wouldn't eat chocolate. Jesus, yes, He would. Who made chocolate? Who gave us taste buds? Come on, everybody. Now now I'm going to bust out my diet skills on you. Everything in moderation. And that's biblical. Would God go to Starbucks? Yep. But you know what God would not do? He would not go to Starbucks instead of giving to the widow, to the orphan, to the local church, generously and contagiously out of the abundance of His heart. He would not. Why? Because that violates Scripture. We don't have a series to go through all the principles of finances found in the Bible. But I will tell you this. If all you do, if you capture the big idea that your finances are not your finances, they are God's finances, and you sit down and you submit to God and say, things change today. Do you know that's repentance? Repentance is not coming up here, kneeling down, I'm so sorry, Lord. My finances are so messed up. I'm so sorry, Lord. I'm so sorry. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Amen, okay. I repented, and then nothing changes. That's not repentance. Repentance is not a prayer. It's not even an emotion. It's turning the opposite way. 
You will know if you repented in this contending for finances if you sit down and change. You sit down and say, God, I need the power to change. I need grace to see things your way. And this is what I pray and this is what I believe. That God is giving you grace in your mind to think appropriately for his finances right now. You say, well, I'm so sorry that that didn't happen before. That's fine. This message wasn't preached before. We didn't get this far yet. You don't have to grovel about how things have been in the past. What matters is you've received this revelation today. Or maybe it's not revelation. Maybe it's just the stirring up of something that you already knew was there. And you say, you know what? I'm going to just receive what God's given me today. I'm going to sit down and my finances are going to change. I'm telling you what, friends. Jennifer and I began to do this slightly. And all of a sudden, we began to, uh, we began to know friends and, and people that were uh, adopting children through Compassion International and spending $33 a month uh, for Compassion. And I said, you know what, Jen, we need to change so much. But all I know is it is absolutely ridiculous for me as an American to say that I can't afford $33 for a child that's starving and needs an education and family because my budget's really tight right now. I, and this is me. I'm not... I'm not this is not... Compassion International Sunday. I'm trying to show you that I said, how would God spend the income that he's given to me? I don't deserve my income. I didn't do anything. The only thing that I've been able to do that deserve has been stuff that God's given me by his grace. God gave me the the mind to uh, get a degree and all this stuff. But it's all God. I don't deserve any of it. So I think, how could I not do that? And I want you to go home. And say, you know what, if we were to be honest with 100% of our finances, we would give differently. We would spend differently. We would save differently. Everything begins fresh right now. And know what's so great about God? And this is how I close today. Do you want to know what's so great about God? We don't fall in line with God's ways because God is heavy-handed. We don't like, oh, that's right. We need to respond. We need to repent. We need to turn. Don't you understand that when we live obediently under God's guidelines, He commands blessing. He gets excited. He says, well done, good and faithful servant. This is not like, oh, that's right. We need to go sit down and we need to change the way we spend our money. And oh, it's going to be so horrible from here on out. No, life gets great when you follow God. Just try it with your body. Go ahead and be healthy for a month. Follow God's ways with your body. And you'll be like, wow, this is a good thing. I ain't never going back to old me. Why? Because God's ways are perfect. Do you want to know why sin is sin? Sin is not sin because God's like, well, we got to have something, so let's start making a list. This is sin, this is sin, this is sin. It wasn't like cards, you know, flashcards. Okay, we'll flip this flashcard over. What does this say? Oh, no adultery. Okay, that's a sin. Do you know how God determined what was sin and what was not sin? Whatever hurts you is sin because God loves you. He's like, what would hurt my children? This, that's sin. Don't do it. What would cause pain? This. Don't do it. It's sin. I want to protect you. It's not a listen. You can't do that. You know, I've heard people say, I don't want to be a Christian. Why? Because I can't do this and I can't do that. I'm like, wait, wait, wait. You're looking at things you can't do and they are actually things that save you and bless you and bring you joy and all these types of things. There's nothing, watch this, there's nothing that is sin or that God says not to do that will help you. All sin, all things in Scripture 
are there only to help your life. So, let's put smiles on our faces when we start thinking about this congregation, True Life Church, as a family, a gathering of people from our city who submit to God with our finances and ah, walk in the blessing of our God. It's not a get rich. Blessing is not, oh, we'll do this and then we'll make the money. Maybe not. You might lose your job. I don't think that's God's will. But in a fallen world, you might lose your job. But guess what? His grace is sufficient for you. Just be faithful with what God's done. Alter everything. Say, God, if you're only going to give me $10,000 a year, then I'm going to be faithful. God, if you're going to give me a raise and now I'm making $75,000 a year, I will be faithful with the $75,000. I will be faithful because it's not my money, it's yours. And then God will come and say, I'm blessing you because you have taken care of my finances. If I could close with one simple thing, It would be that God wants you to understand the importance of the role that you play in the city and the culture to bring His glory. Could you you grab hold of this last thought as I close today? Your finances directly affect the movement of God in our city, in our region, and in this local church. And as you use your finances... You are directly changing, altering the eternity of people around you, of people in your city, of the shine and the the brilliance and the dominating presence of God in the local church and in our city. Don't take your 100% finances lightly. Let's let God be the glory and have all honor with what we have. Amen? Let's pray.